0: Hey y'all Welcome to Holy Coitus, a community of hosts. H-E-A-U-X. We are humans who engage in consensual coitus, are kind to ourselves and partners, creative, fully embodied, unapologetic, powerful, and free. My mission is to encourage everybody and everyone to claim or reclaim their sexual agency and voice, regardless of what parts you were born with or changed, where you live, what you did in the past, what you learned in the past, what you plan to do in the future. Whether you've had zero sex partners or countless a week, your whole story is welcome here. You are welcome here. Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome to my podcast. This is Jenea, and you found my little corner of the world. Holy coitus. I'm so glad you're here. Today's episode is super special because I actually know this person from way, way back when I started my process of figuring out what I was going to do with my own body after a lot of indoctrination by um, kind people and people with good intentions but also indoctrination and also not helpful to my own body and my own view of myself I ran across this one person and we have like not necessarily stayed in contact but you know been in the periphery and I noticed that like she was also not sharing a whole lot about her journey and I was like, I think I think we're on the same journey or something. I don't know. Anyway, I caught up with her and she told me her narrative and her journey and I was floored. Y'all, this story is, I don't even know. But because I don't even know, I want to share with you all before we get started that if you are... Um, have sensitive ears, or if you um, have parts of your journey that are painful, this story will probably touch or be connected to those things. And so this is your trigger warning, your content warning, your, um, we do talk about themes of suicide and abuse and indoctrination and all of the things Y'all, life is hard and the stories are hard. I'm internally grateful and humbled that people do share their stories with me and with us. And sometimes these stories are, they're real. And this one, y'all, is real. So please take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself and know that you are cared for and deeply valued um, and that your story is needed. Also, shameless plug, go to therapy because I'm in therapy. My guest today is in therapy. We all need therapy, y'all. So without further ado, y'all, this is my, uh, uh, this is Phoenix Rising's little story. See you at the end, y'all. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast. My name is Janaea, and this is my little corner of the world called Holy Coitus. I'm so glad that you um, have found me here today. I have an amazing guest. Her name is Phoenix Rising, and she they are a beautiful human being. And we met uh, many moons ago at uh, in our previous I don't even know what you want to call it. So. Can you tell it, like, life? <laughs> previous life, I guess? <laughs> yes. Um, so welcome to the podcast. I'm so grateful for your story. Just because I'm nosy. Can you share with people, like, how we met? Do you remember where it was?
1: Oh, I definitely remember where we met. Um, so I got into, like, this Bible study with, I'm pretty sure it was, like, whole related <laughs> things like Mm -hmm. just maybe not that extreme um but then there was a um christian extreme christian conference called tristias Mm. and someone sponsored me to go on that because they thought it would make my faith stronger and i met you at that event um Mm -hmm. and thought it was really cool um (laughs) all the things that you do you already had like your doctoral degree and everything so
0: you're a pretty cool person. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm curious about like what did you think about the Trastius experience at the time? I thought I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. It's a little much, but it works. Um, what was your experience there? And then, um, and then we'll get into like the whole side of it. But can you talk about like what that conference was like? What that like what does extreme Christianity look like in that capacity
1: um i can appreciate the deeper kind of faith that people there it seemed to be collectively had um people had i call them extras but um a lot of people had i don't know kind of like psychic abilities like being able to understand or foresee something that hasn't happened yet or like, I don't know, maybe empath, if you want to call it that. And that part of it I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just the, I don't know, I call them man-made laws, I suppose, to Christianity that's not faith-related, like a focus on submitting to a man I remember like the last day ceremony they gave us all like wedding veils mm-hmm. and then they had the men come in and I wasn't okay with that part um that's just not me I'm not a very submissive person <laughs>
0: <laughs> neither am I um, of.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, I do appreciate the deeper side of faith and understanding beyond, like, what typical humans can do part, Um, but the whole, like, submit to a man kind of thing was a bit off-putting.
0: Absolutely, yes. I think, like, as of today, I am a very, like, if that's what y'all want to do, great, but I'm just going to be over here doing my own thing. That's... The mood I'm in right now. Yes. Um, Okay. So the first question that I like to ask people is, like, who taught you about, who or what taught you about sex um, and your body and all the things? um, And also, what were those, like, initial things that you learned or that you gleaned or that you were taught?
1: Okay. So that takes me back to the home that I grew up with, with my biological family. Um, My family, um, I guess, is very religious. um, And purity culture was a really big deal that you wait until marriage to have sex. But they didn't necessarily live that way. Um, My mother was a pretty perverse person in the sense that I have memories at age two and three of her molesting me. And that Mm. happened up until I was eight years old. Mm. So my mother was very obsessed with sex, but especially doing things to me that were inappropriate. Mm. Um, Even... All the way up into my early 20s before I really like understood what was happening to me like when I got into college you know when you start meeting people and then they're sharing stories and then you're sharing stories and you realize that your stories aren't normal (laughs) was the first time I realized what had happened to me and I was like holy shit like Mm -hmm. I had bad people raise me like Mm. really bad people raise me and as a kid like I knew like if you just took it and let them do whatever they wanted to you that they would stop and they wouldn't get angry um my dad was a drunk until I was about 12 before he realized oh this isn't good so um physical beatings happened quite often so my idea of sex wasn't a good one um and the way they taught it like trying to be all christiany um being like wait until marriage like it should feel good to you and it feels good to the guy too but my experience is that my parents um slept in separate bedrooms opposite of the house and then on vacations Um, no one should have to hear their parents have sex, by the way. It's Mm -hmm. really gross. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just not a picture anybody should have to have in their head. Mm -hmm. But from what I remember, my dad would always, like, talk my mom into into it. And she never wanted to. And Mm -hmm. it never seemed like she enjoyed it either. So... Like my idea of sex, I just I never wanted to have sex ever, um, because of the trauma I had gone through as a kid.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So can you talk a bit more about like what the purity culture side? So the lessons that you learned in purity culture, and I'm also curious about like how how did your biological parents justify the Christian part and the abuse together like how did that work or not work
1: um so they actually tied that in with scripture um quite a bit and it wasn't usually my dad partaking in stuff like that it was more of my mom um The honor your father and mother verse came up quite a bit. So if um, you did try to stop it, um, like, sorry, if I did try to stop it, um, my mom would just grab my hands and like hold them in one and she would remind me of that verse to honor your father and mother mm. and you should never do anything against them mm. and so then it made me feel bad because I was really concerned about sinning that if I sinned at all I would go to hell so I tried to live as perfectly as I could um and that just let them do whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, from an early age, um, my mom never really wanted children. Um, she got pregnant with my older brother by accident. And then she's always told me my entire life, like, I never really wanted you. God made me had you. And I told him I can't take care of another kid. He's going to have to provide for you. So that was another, a religious excuse to not take care of me. Mm. So, um, medical things that should have been taken care of when I was younger. Um, I'm having to do as an adult now, um, growing up, um, eating food and that sort of thing. Uh, you had to ask permission to eat. Um, I have always been allergic to red meat, but I was still forced to eat it. Mm. So when I ate it as a kid, I would have to eat it in small bites. And then my parents would take it and wrap it up and put it in the refrigerator. And I would have to have it for every meal until it was gone because it was the waste, not want not mm. idea um, tied to Christianity. Um I don't know where to go from there, but, um, <laughs> any kind of, oh, I never dated mm. at all. Um, elementary, middle, high school ever one, because I don't think I would ever want to take somebody home. Mm. I think my friends knew how strict my parents were, but I don't think anyone really understood how terrible they w- were, mm. um, because my parents especially my dad was a very respected figure in the community that we grew up in. Mm. Um, no one knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, I tried to tell my teachers, <laughs> um, like in high school, when I realized some of the things weren't okay and they would just confront my parents about it mm. and then I would get in trouble for it. Mm. Um, but I, in elementary school, um, my dad had to stop hitting me and grabbing me. He was, like, really strong, and I was, like, really tiny, and he would leave, like, finger bruises on my arms from where he would, like, jerk Mm. me around, um, and then I remember when I went to kindergarten, um, they prompted me to say that, um, I had been like messing with the cat.
0: Like, mm. he would
1: grab me and be like, um, You need to stop fooling around with the cat, or people are going to think that we abuse you because I think they had actually gotten a call from social services because of the marks on me when I went to school. So they had to be more careful about where they were abusive. Mm -hmm. And that's where the sexual abuse started a little bit more. Got it.
0: Yeah. So with your foundation of abuse, um, religious indoctrination and explanation of the, the abuse. Like where, where did you go from there? Like how did that affect like your? Uh, obviously, it affected like your view of self. So, um, how did that mes- manifest in your journey of understanding your body, of understanding who you are as a person?
1: Um, I think it. Honestly, the abuse that I went through, I thought that maybe I wasn't good enough, that I needed to be more holy and be more perfect, Mm. and so I threw myself into every Bible study that I could find at church, Um, and even after, um, I think it was like college, where I realized the things that I went through weren't okay, um, and very abnormal. It made it difficult to relate to people socially, um, just because I had grown up so different. And throughout my childhood, I had ice that I, knew. I couldn't really have friends because then they would find out things. Mm-hmm. Um. When I was in, I guess my view of self was that I was completely worthless um, and I should just allow people to do whatever they wanted to do. Oh, and from a young age, I was taught that my body isn't mine. It belongs to Jesus, so people can do whatever they want to me. Mm. Um, So when I went to college, I actually got there on a full-ride violin scholarship. Like, music was totally my escape through my childhood. Um, I actually ended up getting a pretty mean professor, and that's not uncommon um, in music, especially with strings, Mm. that you're— teacher is kind of like what ballet dancers I think go through as well is they're pretty mean and they they can be actually pretty abusive, abusive exactly. um, mine actually like bent my arm in such a way during my lesson that my main tendon that runs through my arm snapped <sighs> and mm. then like my music career was over that mm. was it And I could not take another hit, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, um, because at that point I was trying to figure out and trying to be okay with what I went through because I basically viewed myself as a rag doll. Mm. Um, and so that's why I let that professor do whatever, because that's what I was taught. Mm. Um, and then when I tried to seek help, because I medically had a broken tendon, um, the department head didn't listen to me, and she's like, well, just find another thing that makes you happy.
0: Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm. And she's
1: still teaching there today. <laughs> wow. They never got rid of her. Yeah. Mm. Um, but that wasn't the f- – I wasn't the first person she did that to. Um, she actually hit a five-year-old kid when the parent wasn't in the room and they took her to court, but because nobody was in the room, mm. uh, she got away with it. Mm. Like, and it's just crazy. Um, at that point, I thought it was impossible for anyone to love me. Mm. Um because all anyone ever did at that point was abuse me and not believe me. So I hit a really hard bottom. Um, In high school, I had attempted suicide before I was caught by my mother and I got in trouble for that. Mm. Um, But in college, no one was there and I'd had my wisdom teeth taken out, but I didn't use any of the pain pills because growing up, we weren't allowed to have medicine. Um, mm-hmm. So with all of that happening, like the one thing that kept me sane um, throughout my life, which was music, that was over. And so yeah. I just took an entire bottle of Oxycontin, I think it was, that they gave me after my wisdom teeth, um, and I expected not to wake up. Hmm. Um, and that made me happy, which is not okay. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but obviously still here today, I was actually really disappointed when I did wake up. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I need help. Yeah. So, I I tried to find um a church that would listen to me. Uh, the church that I grew up in um did not treat me well just like my parents didn't treat me well. And so trying to find a place that actually cared about you and not like you were a number like, "Oh, we saved you." kind of thing. Um, Because they didn't actually care about you. They cared about what you could do for them. And if you didn't dress like them, if you didn't act like them, if you weren't in the same social class as they were, they didn't want anything to do with you. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to find a church that, you know, fits my style a little bit more. I want my faith to go a little bit deeper because I don't, I don't know how to handle this anymore so i found um unfortunately a pentecostal church out in the sticks two Mm. towns away from where i lived and i was like okay i'm gonna try this out it's different nobody knows me Mm. and so um when i got there like they're like oh well you need to wear a dress and you can't cut your hair anymore i'm like okay whatever i was just looking for Help.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I started going there for a while and their big thing was like if you don't like they call it speak in tongues, mm-hmm. then um you're going to hell basically. And so mm-hmm. um I knew that people there like fake it. I'm sure that, you know, that can be a real spiritual thing, but it's almost like you could tell Um, Mm. who's faking it and who's not, and I'm not going to fake it. Like if it happened for me, it happened for me. And then, um, after going there a while, I felt more comfortable to talk to the pastor and he would not let me talk to him. I had to talk to a woman. I couldn't talk to a man about things that had happened to me. And so they gave me, um, over to a church counselor that met with me and they were like trying to make my face stronger and they actually sponsored me to go to Trace Diaz mm. um and so they were telling me oh well this is going to help you um when I came back from Trace Diaz they're like okay like let's talk about what you learned while you were there instead of meeting at the church let's meet at my house and i'll make you dinner and then you can just tell me all about it so i thought oh you know that's really nice um because at this point i really wanted a real mother i never mm. got that experience at all and so that just created this huge crater in me, and I needed it to be filled, yeah. so I went to her house, and she gave me dinner, and then we were sitting on the couch, and I was telling her, like, at that point, I thought Trace was absolutely wonderful, I thought it was great, um, because that just reinforced my suffering mm. was justified, because I was suffering for Jesus, basically, which mm. is a load of crap. Um, now, now I know that I did not know that then, but then she was like, okay, so we're going to take your faith one step further and I need you to trust me and for you to get better, you're going to have to trust like what I do. And I'm like, okay, because at this point I'm in so much emotional agony, I don't know if I can take it much more Mm. um so she blindfolded me and she was like we're gonna do like a walking trust exercise and so she was walking me around the house and so I don't know where I am at this point um but then she she had me um sit down and then lay down and I knew that I was on a bed which I thought was really strange Mm. um yeah, you know where this is going, don't oh my you? God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, she holds me down and then proceeds to. Rape me, which is the same thing my mom did to me when I was younger, and she knew this. She knew everything my mother had done to me, and then she proceeded to do that again. And so, like unlike when I was a kid, I was screaming at her to stop, but I couldn't get away from her. And the whole time she's saying, "No, this is okay. This is what real love is, and you need to know what that is."
0: What? Oh yeah. God. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> um.
1: And after that, like, I was just frozen. I was tired mm-hmm. of fighting. I hurt, and I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. And so she left to go to the kitchen, which the only door you could get out was the kitchen back door because the one on the side was like bolted mm. um because she didn't use it which I mean I don't know if that's normal in a house or not I mean the house I grew up in was pretty fucked up so I don't know mm. I don't know what was normal mm. and so when I tried to run to get out of the house she had butted me and um ended up getting a concussion from that Mm. and like she held me in the house for i think it was three days or so and then like groomed me to like understand that oh this is part of your healing but you can't tell anybody because they won't understand and when i really wasn't having it she pulled out a gun like Mm. a loaded gun and she was like don't make me use this if you tell anybody that would ruin me and it was like I like that scared me a lot yes. <laughs> um so when she felt comfortable enough to like let me go I could I didn't feel like I could tell anybody mm. because um part of her argument was she actually worked um in the jail so you know like the people who go to jail and they do like sermons and baptisms and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah that's what she did Mm. yeah and so she knows judges and stuff Mm. so she convinced me like even if you tell no one's going to believe you Mm. and then Honestly, that's probably right, because when do victims of sexual violence ever come out on the good side of things, Mm. because their name gets raked through the mud, because in society, like, getting raped is not a good thing Mm. at all, and you're just known as somebody in that incident, and you're, like, dirty, Like, nobody wants anything to do with you. And as a teacher, um, if they had found out all the things that happened to me, I was afraid they wouldn't let me work in the classroom. Mm. Because usually, like, especially foster care systems assume that if you've gone through it, you're going to do it to somebody else. Yeah. Um, And that's absolutely not true. Um. So after I escaped from this person's house, essentially, to ensure that I wouldn't continue um, to try to tell someone, she would make unannounced visits to my house. Mm. Um, and I didn't feel like I could get out. Um, but then um, I left for, um, I won a research scholarship. At school that allowed me to travel to another country um when I was going to that country I was actually involved in a plane accident on the way there um which was absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. so it's like my whole life was like building up to these like terrible terrible events yes. and I was like oh my gosh when is this going to stop so when I came back from the um from the research trip, I, um, was really shaken up about the plane accident and I just couldn't get over it. Like everywhere I smelled fuel
0: hmm.
1: everywhere, like plane fuel. Um, I couldn't drive my car anymore because it smelled like plane. Hmm. Um, so I went to my doctor and he's like, yeah, you have PTSD. Let's get you a therapist.
0: Hmm. And,
1: um, When I started therapy, like, I was terrified to start with a therapist because of my experience at the church. That was not a licensed counselor. So when I explained to the counselor that I went to that my doctor recommended, um, she was like, oh, my gosh. And she was like, you can pursue legal action. And I said, no, no, you don't understand. It won't go well for me. And so being a good therapist, like she understood that was too much for me to handle and she kind of backed off of that. But then that started my whole healing process Um, and my understanding that sex is not a bad thing. Um, I still right now consider myself to be asexual just because of the trauma I went through is very difficult. Um, I have a lot of damage my uh, lady parts because of the things that I've gone through Um, I was able to start questioning like who am I outside of my biological family outside of Christianity and I found that I didn't really want to be part of Christianity at all like I get the basic foundation like love everybody kind of thing, but every religion has that, Mm -hmm. so I don't think I'll ever go back to an organized religion, Mm -hmm. um, I really like a lot of Buddhist values, and a lot of Hindu values, especially, like, with meditation, and taking care of yourself, and that kind of view of life, so, like, concepts, heaven, hell, I don't really have those anymore, Mm -hmm. um, And then as far as my sexuality went, um, because in, like, middle school, high school, I never dated anyone, Uh, when I did start dating, I found that, you know, I thought some boys were cute, um, but I liked them for their minds, like, smart people are attractive to me, um, more so than appearance, Um, but then when I would date men, they would have, like, this dominance attitude, and it pushed me back into the mindset of that ragdoll state, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't deal with it, so... (laughs) after about five different boyfriends and this was like it was hard for me to date these are like spread out yes. <laughs> quite a bit um I started questioning like "Ooh, like I don't have any relationships that last long term at all I think the longest one I ever had was a year and that's because we didn't go out and do stuff very often mm. um So when I started, like, oh, my gosh, am I gay? Like, but when I was looking it up, you know, at some point, I think a lot of people have gone online trying to figure out if they're gay or not. And then they take the quizzes. Mm -hmm. But all the quizzes are like, do you think about kissing somebody of the same sex? And of course, to me, any kind of sexual anything was too much for me Mm -hmm. because of what I'd gone through. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm not gave and what am I um but as I went through therapy um I started understanding that oh you know that's trauma-based and um I'd had a roommate since college um and she, I knew that she liked me a lot, mm-hmm. um, but that made me uncomfortable because, you know, in Christianity, they teach, like, homosexuality is a sin, and so that made me, like, mm-hmm. want to date guys more. to be like, no, I'm not impure, even though, like, I wasn't, like, in Christianity. Those values still stuck hard,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: it wasn't until this past year where... I was like, screw it. I'm going to live the way that makes me happy because look at all the shit that I survived. Yes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. so
1: I started letting myself be happy. Um, I'm happy to say that my roommate is now my fiance. (gasps) Um,
0: yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm like super excited and she takes time to understand my trauma
0: mm. and
1: then understand my actions based on that. Um, I don't think anybody has like a normal life, but hers is like closer to normal than mine was. Mm. So like she helps me with things like to unlearn behaviors. Um She loves me for me, and I thought that I was completely unlovable because of all the things that had happened, and she doesn't care. That's not her Mm -hmm. priority. So she kind of helped me find that I'm actually pansexual. And like, I know that I said, like, guys, gross, but I was also dating straight guys. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) they weren't, I don't do the submissive wife part well at mm-hmm. all um, so I don't really care I suppose who I date or who I'm with as long as they actually care about me and they have my best interest in mind mm-hmm. because I'll always have their best interest in mind mm-hmm. um, and my current partner has really helped me start trusting again um, encourages therapy I talk about like everything with her Um, she's like my ride or die person. Mm. So, um, I'm kind of excited about that because I didn't think that it would be possible for someone like me who's gone through so much, um, to actually be capable of love and being loved.
0: Right. Oh my gosh. What a story. Um, thank you for sharing and I'm glad that you're alive to, um, share and to, that you are still here. It's so powerful. I'm curious about, um, you mentioned a couple of things, the, um, the asexuality connected to trauma piece. Um, I understand that like, you're not interested because of the things that you do, um, that you grew up through or that you survived um, up until this point. Um, so how are you leveraging the pansexual piece and asexuality? Um, do you say, hello, I'm asexual, hello, I'm pan? It Does it depend on the day or, um, and then I'm also curious, like how, uh, like as you are healing through the trauma, does the asexuality go away? Or does it like go to the background? Like, how, what, what is happening in your mind as you are healing now from all of this? Uh,
1: That's a really good question. So, just because you're asexual doesn't mean that you don't enjoy sex. Um, I lean more on the demisexual side. So, I'm okay with my partner, like, having sex with them, it's usually me doing things that please them, just because I don't feel comfortable sometimes, um, but my partner, like, when, um, I don't know, I sometimes I'm okay with it and so my partner is very attuned to what I'm comfortable with and what I'm Mm -hmm. not comfortable with Mm -hmm. um most of the time I prefer just for myself doing things to myself that bring pleasure Mm -hmm. um but still having that sexual experience like with my partner because I know that if I do it, I can trust myself not to harm myself. Mm. Um, But I'm getting better at trusting. um, Not like I would never like force myself to like have sex because the whole point of sex is like to show for me anyway. um, The whole point of sex is to be closer to someone Mm -hmm. and then you're enjoying things. Um, that you don't really get, like, out in public, you know, it's not like going and eating a tasty meal, it's like enjoying the parts of your body, enjoying the parts of their body, Mm -hmm. and so I guess, like, asexual, just because you're asexual doesn't mean that you don't like sex, um, um, I've met other aces out there that also, don't mind sex with, like, the demisexuals. My partner's also demisexual, so that just means that you're devoted to, like, one person and you don't really f- feel comfortable, like, having multiple partners, um, which multiple partners are completely fine with me. That, I think, because of my trauma would not be my cup of tea. Mm. Um, just because I really have to trust somebody before... I am vulnerable Mm. to them. So, I guess all summed up, like, I still enjoy sex. It's usually, um, right now, it's doing things on myself to understand my body, Mm. um, and then doing things uh, with my partner, and being closer to her, and making her feel good.
0: So, can you talk about um like at like your union now like where are you headed in your journey like what are you hoping to um for this relationship to be in the future as you are healing and as she is or she or they are coming together like what what is what's going what are you seeing as you are journeying together? Now that you're on this side of your journey of not crazy.
1: Yeah, of not crazy. I like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so on this side of the journey, um, we're actually completely moving to a new location and basically I get to start over. Um, I think that's why I chose the name Phoenix Rising. Um, the Phoenix is my symbol. Um My past life is dead. Mm. (laughs) So I get to be a new Phoenix and go fly. And my partner understands how important that is to me to have a new safe space um, where my past can't go find me. Mm. (laughs) Um, So for myself, I... I'm going to be starting a doctoral program here pretty soon, and something I always wanted to do. Um, Even though my biological family told me that I was going to fail, I don't believe them. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs)
1: And um, my partner is actually going to be working at the same college um, that I'm going to get my doctoral degree in and she is so excited for our future and we've been talking like wedding ceremony we've been talking kids we've been talking moving out of the country and living in different places and picking out like houses and other places that we would live so Mm. the future looks
0: a lot brighter oh my god i am so excited for you um okay so can you share if you're willing um, so at the pivotal points in your life can you for those folks who are listening today and they're in can you share like a message for those folks who have gone through big T trauma or those who have um, experienced the religious, abuse combination that you did or so those things like what would you like to say to a listener who is like this is not all of my story this is part of my story she is my autobiography what would you like to say to them
1: um I would like to tell them um that you aren't alone um it's surprising how common religious violence is um so don't feel like you're the only one this happens to and like I hope that you realize a lot sooner than I did you are not a rag doll Hmm. people don't have rights to your body you have rights to your body and um go Educate yourself about what there is in the world. Like, I wouldn't recommend, like, if you enjoy Christianity and you don't want to leave it, like, that's okay. But understand, like, what, like, God intended if you believe in a God, um, which is love and peace and respect. Because if you're not getting that, that's not religion. Mm. Um, And that's not faith. So if it's like people telling you what you can and cannot do, that's complete ludicrous. You listen Mm -hmm. to your heart and you do what's best for you. And please go get therapy. Do Mm -hmm. not... Go to a church counselor. They're, mm-hmm. they're not certified. They're mm-hmm. religiously certified. Go get a counselor that's not even in Christianity just so they can understand, like, where you're coming from and help guide you, like, of unhealthy habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and make sure that you have one or two friends that you would trust with your life that actually have your best interest in mind and be able to discern that. mm
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes, um, I I cannot tell people enough. Like, get therapy. Pay the money. Get get somebody that um, is good, and also fire the bad therapist. Um, oh yeah. Yes. So before we close today, um, can you like? Are there last two questions? One is, um, are there is there anything else that you would like to share that you're like, oh, I forgot to say this, but I want to say it, or and or. Um, I uh, said this already, but it's really important, so I wanna say it again. Or did you get everything like off your chest and you're like, you know what, I'm good. Only
1: that the intention is that um, I believe that every single person is capable of being loved and giving love so if you're feeling unlovable um that's not true mm-hmm. um i believe that for a really long time and everyone deserves to be treated well and respected
0: mm-hmm. oh my gosh thank you so much for sharing your story your whole story with us today i'm so grateful for your bravery and all of the things um, for those who are interested in connecting with you, is there a way to do that, or um, they can, or are you incognito? Are you like, are you on the internet, or I can send you messages? Like, how would you like to do this?
1: Uh-huh sure they can uh, find my instagram account is phoenix rising 22 mm-hmm. and if you want to reach out and talk i'm always happy to talk with anybody and share more or listen if you've got a similar story
0: um so yeah feel free to reach out and thanks for doing this this was great Oh yes absolutely okay My goodness, Phoenix Rising, thank you so much for sharing your story with us on the podcast, Holy Coitus. I am always humbled when people are willing to get into the nitty gritty and the parts of our narratives that are healing and um, in the process of becoming whole. Thank you for your story. And I honestly feel like your journey will help so many others be able to put words to their experiences and also... To find their find their own path towards wellness and wholeness. So, for my listeners, please please support Phoenix Rising. She is on the Instagram, and she is pretty new to the journey of um, building community after um, surviving a cult and um, all of the things. And so, um, find her, t- chat with her. She is all the willing to. Um, have you join her on her journey and also be a part of yours. Uh, for those of you who are interested in sharing your journey, um, inbox me. Um, if you have a body and your body is doing things, whether they are sexual or not sexual, um, and you have opinions about how you view your body and your sexuality and the world and all of the things that we have been taught, then you are welcome on the podcast, Tilly Coitus. I'm always looking for people to... Uh, Share, And you can do so anonymously. So find me and my work at Holy Coitus on Instagram. It's H-E-A-U-X-L-Y-C-O-I-T-U-S. And also, Phoenix Rising is P-H-O-E-N-I-X-R-I-S-I-N-G on Instagram as well. So, um, thank you for dealing with my my voice. I got a cold. Some, like, little kid sneezed on me or something. And so... I actually think my voice is pretty sexy, but it might be not so great for the podcast. But I wanted to make sure this episode did get out in time. All right, y'all. Be kind to yourself. Have all the orgasms you need and want. And also, drink your water. Go outside. Smell the breeze. Chat with you later. Bye-bye, friends.